0: When mankind was created in the image of God, it was given dominion over the earth. And it's important to understand exactly what this dominion means, while also emphasizing that having dominion over the earth is not the same thing as having dominion over the universe. So what exactly does it mean to have dominion over the earth? Dominion is not tyranny, and it does not even mean that one is at the top of a hierarchy. Because this hierarchy is established by God. Dominion looks like a responsibility to honestly address the problems found in creation and subdue them. This is not fleeing from or fighting against the truth of creation, as one might find Captain Nemo doing in 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne. This is not about subduing our fellow man, as many people may think that dominion is some sort of tyranny, it's not that either. It is not demanding that others fix the problems that we see while we take a back seat. It is not about just looking at the world and diagnosing problems without giving a prescription. It is not that either. This is about being the image of God and maintaining an established order on this earth. So welcome to Kingdom of the Lagos. I'm Pastor J. Dylan Proctor and thank you so much for joining us today. This is sermon number three in a study on Genesis and our emphasis in Genesis is looking at the built-in morality that we find in these very early stories. We're going to have a lot of interesting things that we discuss here, and we're going to have a very enjoyable time together. Therefore, if you have any thoughts, questions, or comments, you would like me to elaborate something, please reach out to me. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, a lot of different places. So we're going to continue today by returning to Genesis chapter 1, and we're going to pick up in verse 28. And verse 28 is where we find this institution of dominion over the earth for humanity. So let's read as follows. Genesis chapter 1 verse 28 reads, And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Verse 29. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that on the face of the earth and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, and everything that has the breath of light, I have given every green plant for fruit. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. In these few verses, we find that God is establishing a hierarchy. And oftentimes when we think of hierarchies, we want to have some metric, a to, to give us some understanding of why something would be positioned higher than something else. One of the things that we find here within Genesis is that the hierarchy of God, it is connected somehow with this idea of goodness. And this is an existential goodness. This isn't just something is nice or I have some sort of subjective predisposition towards an item, but instead it is something's meaning. It's, its existential state is somehow good. It's connected to that of virtue And of course, the idea to even bestow meaning on something. Humanity, it has a very complex meaning. It is called to be the image of God on this earth. Whereas something like plants, while they are important and they're more dynamic of an organism than, say, something which is not even an organism at all, like land, they have a lesser meaning still than humanity, but also a more complex existence than something like a rock. In these few verses, we find that God is establishing this hierarchy along the strands of goodness and meaning and virtue and mankind is being positioned in such a place where it has dominion over the earth but it is important to remember that God has dominion over both the heavens and the earth furthermore God has dominion over the nature of good itself the dominion given to humanity is not without its limits the text iterates with great precision a border around human authority they have dominion over animal and plant life However, they do not have dominion over the laws of physics. In other words, we can't simply come in and change how the heavens and the earth are positioned. We can't change how the sun relates to the world. We can't change things of substance and matter. Instead, we have to respect this framework which God has put in place, and we have to work within it. This is the idea that there is actually an objective reality. There are actual laws that we must follow. There are laws of science, there are laws of nature, and there are even laws of virtue, which we must live by. This is attached to the commandment to be fruitful and multiply. And we cannot remove that commandment because it's not an easy task to have dominion over the earth. And it's it's rather interesting that God would couple this statement saying, I want you to have dominion, you're going to be my image, but also be fruitful and multiply. I'm kind of asked to sit back and ask, why, why is it that these two things would have some sort of necessary coupling? And when we take a breath, we realize that It's no easy task to have dominion over the earth. In fact, it's quite necessary for humanity to multiply if they are to successfully serve as stewards in the manner that God has instructed them. And I can imagine when many people would hear me make this argument that it's no easy task and humanity has to multiply if they are to actually have dominion over the earth, they might think that this is an argument somewhere along the spectrum between collectivism and individualism. That it's, it's too difficult for one man to do it, therefore they need a, a collection of men. But this is really not about collectivism or individualism at all, as our modern world would predispose us to think. Instead, what is being proposed is something which actually stretches across time. It's not a lateral movement, but instead it is one that is a bit more vertical. There is a shared responsibility in Genesis, but it's not looking sideways to one's neighbor. It's not contemplating how they would share or compete with their power, but instead it is looking down the stream of time with this idea that one actually needs generations to uphold a task. There is a limited range of the human behavior. Whether it be one man, whether it be a thousand men, it doesn't really matter because there is a, a limitation on human life. And yes, I realize we haven't got to the portion of Genesis yet where death is actually introduced, But at the same time, this idea of reproduction is being introduced even in these verses. And one thing we know that this is something which takes time. When human children are born, they're not immediately mature. They're not immediately capable of carrying on all the responsibilities or actions of an adult. It takes a good long time for children to develop, for them to go through the different processes and stages to where they finally leave adolescence and are capable of wearing a lot of the responsibility. It takes generations across time to maintain the responsibilities of being the image of God. And this is a very fascinating thing because when God says that he's creating a hierarchy, he's giving us dominion, it really is a lot like a hierarchy in the sense that there are going to be generations. There are going to be princes and princesses that are going to inherit the role of their ancestors. And we do find that going on even in these few verses. And while we haven't yet encountered Adam and Eve in the garden, The framework for what is going to happen with Adam and Eve and their children is clearly found within Genesis. All of these things, they relate together in a very solid fashion. So let's go a little bit further. This emphasis that we have now, it is building on an earlier notion found in Genesis. The more complex meaning that something is given, the more that meaning is going to be distributed across a number of things. Light, while it is essential to the fabric of creation, it has a simple yet powerful purpose. One sun in the day and one moon in the night will suffice to meet the needs of lighting the needs of the earth. Yet humanity with a more complex purpose of being, the image of God as it is, it requires generations of man, and that is rather fascinating. Recently, I've been thinking a lot about Captain Nemo, so let's shift gears a bit. If you haven't read the Jules Verne novel, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, I highly encourage you to do so. During the season of Lent, I'm going back and I'm studying classics of literature, and it has been one of the most liberating things that one could do. Our our forefathers and the philosophers before us realized that there is some sort of personal agency and liberty you find in reading the classics of literature, and there's, there's a lot of truth to that. And... When I study Genesis, it's really been something which has been quite astounding that I would also be reading through some of these older novels. And I've really come to think a lot about Captain Nemo as he relates to Genesis 1. Captain Nemo, he has a very strange relationship with the notion of domination. And as I've said before, Captain Nemo, he has rejected all of his natural allegiance to dry land. And he's done this to the best of his abilities. He lives in a submarine under the sea, he openly refuses to ever set foot on dry ground, and he lives his life under the sea, pretending that he is in a place of liberty, but realistically, he has built for himself a prison. Captain Nemo, when it comes to the question of dominion, he really only makes one exception to his rule of never stepping onto dry land, and that is when he visits the South Pole. As his vessel mounts the shore, he breaks from his tradition of never stepping on land, with a simple justification that he will only step there because no man has ever done so before. In this, we find that he is willing to have dominion over the earth so long as no one has ever done it before him. In this act, we find a conflict of different understandings of what it even means for God to give humanity dominion. Captain Nemo, who has made himself a prisoner to his own will, he refuses to share dominion with any other man. And it's interesting because, again, this is not just a sideways movement. It's not that he doesn't want to share it with his neighbors, but it's also where he doesn't want to share dominion with anyone across time. His argument for stepping onto the South Pole is that no man has ever stepped there before. None of the ancestors of humanity, no one behind him, and likely no one after him in the immediate future will ever do this. He's only willing to do something untouched by humanity. He wants to dis connect himself from the long heritage we have of having dominion over the earth. He wants to separate himself from this calling. And again, it's not a simple calling, like one may be called to ministry in a sense, or one may be called to be a teacher, or one may feel obligated to be a protector in some sort of forces which do that. But instead, it is the inherent state of humanity, with its ability to reason, with its ability to think, with its ability to create and to design things. This is where we find the calling to have dominion over the earth. And this is the very existential state of humanity which Captain Nemo wants to shirk. And it's not an easy thing. It's, it's something which really creates a lot of problems. Captain Nemo does not want to deal with the consequences of human life, and thus he will only have dominion over somewhere which is entirely free of any of the effects of human life. But sadly, this evasion only erodes his soul, and it's quite obvious to those who are around him that this is is not a reasonable way for one to execute their life. He is quite literally forced all the way to the South Pole in order to find untouched land. This is not practical by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, it's confined to a science fiction book because it is quite fantastic. To Nemo, he wants to have dominion, but he wants to do this in a way that he can control. He wants to be the ultimate judge. Of course, this creates nothing but turmoil within himself. Because he is not merely fighting against the sins of humanity, although he proclaims that that is what he is fighting, but he is also fighting against the fabric of creation. And this fact is quite clear from the fact that he, he gives himself and his crew all sorts of deadly troubles while trying to live in a submarine boat. To Captain Nemo's point, though, he is somewhat justified in thinking that it is unjust for the particular sins of one aspect of humanity to cause suffering for those who are at a different side of humanity. Rarely do people openly invite sin into their lives, and it does seem rather unfair that one would have to live with the consequences of other men. Sometimes sin comes in and tricks people, and other times it just thrusts itself upon them. But the reality is, is the suffering and consequences of human sin. It is an aspect of life, which we all must address. And so when we are called to have dominion over the earth, we can either have a, a dominion, which takes all of this into accord. And we want to be honest about it, or we can set on, on a fantastic journey and try to find ourselves somewhere like the South Pole, where we can execute our dominion in a perfect vacuum, though. If we move to that perfect vacuum, we have lost everything which makes humanity humanity. You've separated yourself out and put yourself in a prison. So what exactly does dominion look like? From Genesis, we gather that dominion looks like responsibility. And when I say responsibility, I really want us to think about this word. Because responsibility is actually pretty well defined in Genesis 1. It's a responsibility to honestly subdue creation. And this is not subduing our fellow man to make them be under us as a tyrant would oppress others. This is not about subduing things that we can recreate them in our own image because we ourselves are created in the image of God. It's about realizing that we are placed in a hierarchy where God is at the top and we are placed beneath God, but yet above other aspects of creation. And when issues arise in the established order of God, we are to subdue them and maintain the goodness which God had for the earth. To live somewhere, aside from all of this, to to move perhaps to a submarine boat as Captain Nemo does, is evading this challenge. Instead of subduing creation in an honest fashion, it flees to an uncharted piece of creation in order that we could subdue it there. Of course, there's little meaning in this because there's actually nothing to subdue. If one goes to the South Pole and you say, well, I'm going to have dominion, I'm going to establish a kingdom here. It's kind of like establishing a kingdom in Neverland. You're the king of nothing. You have no problems to sort out. There's really nothing to subdue. Thus, it is more of a lie than it is a truth. Yes, you may have dominion. Yes, you may have subdued the challenge of getting there. But it's very easy to be virtuous when the cost is nothing. And it's easy to be the ruler when there is nothing to rule. If we are to have dominion, then we must take on the responsibility that comes with it, not shirk those responsibilities for make-believe virtue or make-believe responsibility, but instead honest responsibility that comes with addressing problems that are actually found in creation. And furthermore, I do want to reiterate the point that this is not, by any stretch of the imagination, tyranny. It's not about controlling other people. Instead, it's about recognizing that we are in the middle of a hierarchy established by God. And the metric of this hierarchy is connected with both the rationale of God and the goodness of God. It has meaning and aspiration. There's something to look towards. There is a higher position on the hierarchy to aspire towards with the hope that we may become closer and closer to God. Now we are capable of critical thinking and three-dimensional thinking. This does not mean that we replace God, but instead that we come closer to Him and more of the attributes of God manifest in our life, bringing us to a holier state of being. There really are a lot of people willing to lie about the problems of creation. They agitate and often want to rule over other people and not position themselves in the proper role that God gave to them. Dominion looks like a responsibility to honestly address the problems found in creation and subdue them. This is not fleeing from creation or fighting creation. This is not subduing our fellow man and demanding that they fix the problems which we see. But instead, this is about being the image of God. And it's very important to articulate that being the image of God is no small task. It's like being a statue, but instead of a static statue, one that is dynamic, one that is moving, one that is living, one that is able to go around the earth and do magnificent things. Let's change topics just a little bit so I can emphasize some of the points that I'm making. I think before, if one listens and follows our our content online, I think I've mentioned before that I, I really enjoy old Swatch watches. And one of the first Swatch watches I bought was one that, well, it would quite agitate me if I would have picked it out without it being broken initially, but I bought one that was going to be a bit of an experiment. And I've had a conflicted relationship with it ever since I actually successfully put it together. You see, Swatch Watches, they're rather simple in their construction. They're made out of a plastic housing which is ultrasonically welded together. They were wildly popular back in the 80s and early 90s and they come in all sorts of wild colors. And they were designed in such a way that they were not really intended to be repaired, but instead to be something which was fun, a little bit light-hearted. And thus, I find it a challenge to repair them. Something not intended for repair, I kind of take joy in. it's one of my hobbies. And I have a 3D printer and I've found it quite challenging to make 3D printed parts for these plastic housings which are cracked up and I find pleasure in doing this. And one of the first Swatch watches that I purchased was in not the greatest shape. Its plastic housing was broke and it didn't really have straps attached to it and I thought I would just buy it. I didn't pay much for it and I thought, you know, I'll have fun with this one. It was an automatic model and that means it runs off of a spring instead of a battery. And only out of the desire for experimentation did I acquire this watch for it has something written on it which I can't stand. It bears the name of a UN summit from 1992 and the words In Our Hands Earth Summit. Now this watch it has perturbed me and agitated me from the very first time that I pulled it out of the box because I can't stand this phrase on it In Our Hands Earth Summit. And I've actually got the watch on today so that you can see it. It's a blue watch. It's kind of got a skeleton dial to it so you can see its workings in there, the balance wheel and the spring as they fling back and forth and the second hand as it spins around. And this phrase, though, in our hands, it's so irritating because it it lacks a solid worldview behind it. And furthermore, it, it emphasizes one of the dominating worldviews of our modern world. And I use the word dominating in the secular sense, the the pagan sense. Standing alone, this this statement it really appears to be lacking God in our hands it's so arrogant to think that all of creation is in the hands of humanity and to forget that we are not actually at the top of this hierarchy of dominion however over the course of time I have found peace with this watch by making a verbal addition to the statement which is found on its dial yes the earth is in our hands to the extent that God gave us dominion over it but the universe is ultimately in God's hands Thus, whenever I wear this watch and I'm close enough to someone that they can actually see and read the words which are written on it, I always add that statement to it. The earth is in our hands, however, God has the universe in his hands, and the earth is not larger than the universe. There is truth to the fact that we were given dominion over the earth, but at the same time, God has dominion over the universe. We are placed more towards the middle of this hierarchy than at the top of it. Unfortunately, many in our world, they fail to recognize this hierarchy. When they look to the world around them, they want to be those who would put together a summit and say, in our hands, and instead of meaning in our hands, but God has the universe in his hands, they actually mean all of the universe is in our hands. They would rather be confined to the prisons of their own making where they have a posh arrogance that outsizes their realistic capabilities. They mistake their ignorance for creativity and they like to be confined to the prisons of their own making, similar to the way that Captain Nemo likes to be confined to his submarine. He's a very clever man, and he actually is a genius to have designed just a submarine and put together the resources to build it. However, he lacks a great amount of wisdom. He has a seemingly endless knowledge of the sea, but yet his wisdom on liberty is extraordinarily lacking. And as are many of the people who put together such phrases as in our hands Earth Summit. This is a very dangerous thing. Just as Captain Nemo created a prison for himself, people in our modern world, they often create prisons thinking they're being quite clever when they're actually only limiting their capabilities. Those who are so arrogant to think that they are in charge of arrogant or excuse me, charge of everything, they're not only creating prisons for themselves, but they are usually becoming the tyrants that they want to avoid. They are creating a massive prison for everyone that is in their care. Dominion does not look like tyranny, and nor does it look like arrogance. Dominion is not about being at the top of the hierarchy, for one cannot rule over the laws of God and the virtues of heaven. However, hard one may try. People have tried for ages to rule over creation in a manner fitted to their own will and not by the design of God, and the product of this is always suffering. It is always evil at its core. For it creates suffering where suffering is not due. Dominion over the earth, it looks like responsibility to an honest address of the problems found throughout creation and then subduing such problems. This is not fleeing from or fighting against the truth of creation. as one like Captain Nemo does. But instead, this is about subduing the problems found throughout the earth and bringing them back towards the order which God intended for them. It's not about subduing our fellow man and demanding they fix the problems we see, but instead it is about us looking and even looking across time with the generations we have behind us and the generations coming after us and saying we are going to establish this order, which is virtuous and good, as God intended it. We're going to bring the world out of chaos and out of suffering, out of the void which is found early on in Genesis 1, and move them towards the order which God intended for them. God's nature is good and the nature of God's order is good. Mankind is to spend its generation, subduing creation in accordance with the goodness of God. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where we're going to end our conversation today on dominion over the earth. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope that you have a blessed day. And again, if anyone has any thoughts, questions, or comments, please reach out to me. With that, God love you and have a blessed day.